0: Dana Marlowe was a working mom in Metro Washington, D.C. with a personal experience that led to the founding of I Support the Girls, a Good People Fund grantee. I Support the Girls gives bras, menstrual products, and other personal care items to people around the world who need them desperately due to homelessness, natural and human-made disasters, and other extreme circumstances. In this episode of Good People Talk, Dana sits with Naomi Eisenberger, GPF co-founder and executive director, and describes the genesis and impact of I Support the Girls. For more information, visit the websites listed in the show notes. For now, here's Dana and Naomi in conversation. What inspired you to start I Support the Girls? Before July 2015, I had no intention of creating a a nonprofit it wasn't on my radar screen but here we are and basically what happened was for a lot of people I think they can relate where for those that are working full-time and with families or kids it's hard to find that balance and that like work-life balance. And I kind of had forgotten about me and I had these young children at home. I hadn't really lost the weight from my second child. And I finally decided to buckle down, exercise, eat right. And I lost 35 pounds. And I'm very quick to tell people this is not a weight loss success story in the traditional sense, because I'm, it's always awkward when people like start, you know, clapping or cheering if I'm sharing a story or they're like, way to go, because it's, it's not about that. It's a different kind of success. My clothes were not fitting right. And so I needed new clothing. And in, with that, I also needed new bras. And I was just kind of cinching my belt tighter, wearing looser tops. And one morning, my husband said to me, listen, Dana, I know you're not going shopping for new clothing, but you have got to get to the mall. You have got to get yourself new bras. They're not fitting you in any direction or support the way that you want to be fitted. And when somebody you love tells you something serious like that. I'm like, oh, you're right. Like they're not fitting in, in any way. I went to my local mall and got fitted for new bras. So I'm in this tiny little dressing room with this perfectly good stranger. She's lovely. And like I'm basically half naked and she's got this measuring tape trying to figure out what size I am. And it's not hard, but it's also oddly personal. So I get measured and she comes back with the bras that I, you know, picked out in the in the new size and that I needed. And I asked her this really like innocent question. And I looked at her and I said, what could I do with my perfectly good, but no longer fitting me bras? And her name is Denine. And she looked at me that day and she said four words. And those four words, Naomi, have literally changed the course of my life. So she said, homeless women need bras. Full stop. I just didn't know that I could give back my gently used bras. So she told me that day and it was like that light bulb moment. And so I went home that day and I Googled, how could I donate my old bras? And I found a homeless shelter near me in Washington, DC, called them up that day and said, I have 16 perfectly good bras. They're all clean. Would you like me to donate them? And they said, yes. How soon can you get them here? Because nobody ever donates bras. So I said, whoa, okay, let me work on that. What else do you need? He said to me that day, the guy I was speaking with from Thrive DC said, well, if you're willing to bring bras, will you please donate some maxi pads and tampons? They're not covered by food stamps. They're not a line item for us that we can afford on our budget. And for most homeless shelters, they don't have that line item either. Could I do that? So I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that either. And it was the first time in my life, this strange guy basically made me think what it must be like, to be a person with a period, a menstruator, a, a, a woman who has her period, who's homeless, who's living on the streets in D.C. Again, I put myself on that really, really hot, humid, 100 degree sticky day and thought what that must be like for a woman who's home experiencing homelessness in D.C. And I decided I was going to go to my local stores, pick up some packages, large boxes of pads and tampons donate them with my clean wash bras. I could have stopped there. I could have just done that. But I realized after talking with my friend that next day for a walk, I, I recounted what I just shared with you. And I said, I didn't know this. And she said, Dana, I didn't either. And she, she's an attorney and she's a mom of three kids. And she said, listen, would you be willing to, to take my bras? You know, my body has changed shape so many times from the three kids and where I am now. I'll wash them all. Just wait on your donation. Take my bras too. My donation." more than doubled. And I decided I, I was going to put it out on my Facebook page. And I'm just a suburban working mom on Facebook. And I put it out there and it got a lot of attention. The attention it got was from people who wanted to give back. They just didn't know that this was a need. And so I said, okay, here's the platform. I put it together and I said, I'm going to collect for two weeks, two weeks, July, 2015. So wherever we are now, this is a really, really big case of scope creep right? For any of the project managers out there who are like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, what happens when your two weeks turns into, you know, six, six, seven years. But that's where we are. That's where we are today. And so we now collect and donate new and gently used bras, new underwear, sealed menstrual hygiene products, uh, toiletries, PPE, um, assorted other products, cosmetics, and other things as well to just provide more dignity for a whole swath of individuals in need. Uh, by vetting social service agencies that we partner with from coast to coast in the U.S. and around the globe. So my 16 bras have ballooned. I would say so, yes. It's six years. And how much product have you distributed to date? So my 16 bras has been multiplied a few times over. And we have now donated over 17.2 million products in six and a half years, which is Staggering, and that's that is counting every item from an accountability perspective that goes out the door. Speaking of numbers, right? Those the 17 plus million products have been donated to, as I mentioned, vetted social service agencies. So we aren't doing necessarily street outreach, we are vetting other nonprofits or NGOs or social service agencies, or it's a pretty long list of what it includes the kinds of agencies that we partner with, and we've we've worked with over 3,600. That includes low-income public schools. We partnered with the city of Chicago's Department of Public Health and Department of Public Education to make sure that their students um, who couldn't afford menstrual products, who are missing out on math class day after day every single month because they had their period, would not miss more school. We partner with correctional facilities so that uh, women in jails and prisons in from Indiana to Texas can have access to menstrual hygiene products and don't have to try and pull the cotton out of a pad and roll it up to try and make a tampon so that it lasts longer or use toilet paper. We partner with homeless shelters, LGBTQ organizations, trans-specific organizations, refugee agencies, asylum agencies, organizations that help victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, foster care agencies. And the list goes on and on of the kinds of 3,600 different agencies. But it's not just me doing that. Make no mistake. At this point, we have 59 affiliates, like chapters. So that's from I support the girls Phoenix to I support the girls Dallas to I support the girls Northern New Jersey to I support the girls in the Philippines and Pakistan and all over Australia has several locations and Canada and Germany and then all over the US. It's a much larger collective network of folks that are collecting locally, donating donating locally, giving back to folks in need in their communities through our various programs that we run. Why do you think this all blew up this way? Again, while we do acknowledge that not all women have periods and not all people that have periods are women, so we do donate to lots of trans organizations and helping folks that are trans and non-binary. By and large, the largest percentage of menstruators are folks who identify as women, and 51% of the population will have a period, does have a period, or has had a period. However, that same 51% are often forgotten about in national politics, and whether the national politics is U.S. or in another country, predominant number of lawmakers and change makers that are making the laws or that are considering important uh, regulations are not people who will ever have periods. So it's not top of mind for them. So I think that women are often overlooked, overlooked in all different marginalized places in society. 27 states in the US still have a tax on tampons or menstrual products. Some places call it a luxury tax, it's not luxurious. These aren't luxurious, this is a necessity. The same way that we all need toilet paper as a necessity having a tax on menstrual products also makes it that much harder to access them for menstruators in those States. So if you're already barely getting by, do, do I want a hot meal or, you know, do I want to feed my kids or do I want to get that package of, you know, maxi pads that now I have to also have a, be able to pay the tax on. And it's every single month, month after month. And so I think having the tax makes it that much harder. So that's the second thing, right? In addition to most lawmakers are not women. um, So they're not thinking of issues that necessarily focus on women's health. The second thing is the tampon tax. The third thing is there's such a stigma around menstruation, right? But it is becoming more mainstream to be able to more comfortably talk about it so that you don't have to shove the tampon up your sleeve. So I think those things compound, but I, I also think that for the recipient. Sometimes the small things are really the big things. Sometimes these small things in a person's life who may not have access to whatever that is, a bra, a tampon, a soccer ball, a hot meal, sometimes those small things really are the big things. And I think when you compound all of those examples that I shared, that's why we are where we are today. What's the most unusual crisis you recall responding to? I mean, we know there's hurricanes. We know there's... Ukraine and so forth. Totally. Totally. So I would say first off for your listeners who just heard the story, right? I'm a working full-time mom who then suddenly created this little Dana's bra project. It needed a, a snazzier name. And I thought I was keeping it local to DC. And then it just kind of grew and grew and the need was everywhere. And it was like a supply demand and just kind of marrying that. But I didn't imagine all of a sudden being heavily involved in disaster relief. We've been on the phone with Red Cross. We've had FEMA folks. At this point, we're we're six years in. At first, it was it was a hurricane. There was a flood, and then it's it's been wildfires and tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and tsunamis that we have responded to, and we constantly are responding through our disaster relief initiative. But we also have that's our natural disasters. We have a second prong that are more economic disasters. And that's where I'm gonna answer your question of what's the strangest disaster that we didn't know was a disaster. I'm gonna put the COVID-19 pandemic aside because we're still responding to that. And that's you know that's two plus years into this pandemic. And when it hit, there was a shortage of not only toilet paper, but also people were hoarding menstrual products, pads and tampons. But in January 2019, we started seeing requests from federal employees and government contractors, which again, in my day job, I am a government contractor, okay? But from different different federal agencies that they needed products, not the agency, but the employee. And that was because of the federal furlough of January 2019. And I never thought I wasn't going to put a government furlough alongside hurricanes and wildfires, but that was the first economic disaster that we had to respond to and then at the beginning we put the global pandemic in there and now it's ongoing and we have a 35% increase that hasn't let up in the last 2 years because people were being laid off because they were no longer even able to access free products at pantries because pantries were shut food pantries were shut down Homeless shelters were shutting down, COVID was starting to be rampant. And so I would say that's that's been the other one. The other, the other element I didn't consider us getting involved in is we have a pretty great strategy on how we respond to disasters. But I never thought that I was gonna have to say that like periods don't stop for war. I, I went on record years ago and said periods don't stop for hurricanes to raise awareness that when people are fleeing and evacuating their home, they think they're going to be back in three or four days, and that things might go back to normal, and they can go back to their local pharmacy and get their supplies, but it's not. And so when the Afghan refugee crisis hit, we were ready. This year, with the Ukraine-Russian war situation, we have sent 100,000 products, and we're using a lot of the same principles that we use for hurricanes, which is, we're sending products to where people are evacuating to, where there is already uh, mutual aid and humanitarian aid in place, uh, versus dropping it into where the people are and it's harder to access. So we we do have a we have one strategy on the Ukrainian side for getting products to people on the ground in Ukraine. We've partnered with Miest, Meest M E E S T, which is like the uh, Ukrainian FedEx and they're delivering on the ground. Otherwise we're donating around, we've been donating in border um, border countries in Poland, in Slovakia and the like. We just wanna be able to provide a little bit of dignity and sanctity for folks who are in incredibly stressful times. What has this work taught you? I never knew how important one's network is of of family and friends. I'm very, very blessed and lucky to have some incredible friends from childhood, from college, from my working in different areas. And when I had this crazy zany idea, right, Dana's Broad Project became, you know, I support the girls. And was was this something that was going to continue? It was never just me with this idea. It was a lot of people who are much smarter than me, who I've been blessed to surround myself with. It's a collective nonprofit. It's a collective project. It's never been just me. I think the sign of any great leader is recognizing that there is a network or a village available to them and using it. Other than donating money or product, what can the average person do to help move this along? Of course, we always appreciate You know, when folks want to help out with any financial donation or product donation. But there's something bigger that everyone can do, whether you're a person who menstruates or not, whether you're a middle school boy on a soccer team or a Mahjong playing grandma in Boca, both can raise awareness in different ways. So there's no reason people can't talk about it at the Mahjong table or the Canasta table or for the kid in high school or middle school. You know what? It might be embarrassing carry a couple pads, you know, in their backpack, but you know, my, my kids do, and not every school nurse has them. And it's not a big deal. My kids also carry band-aids. So it's not a, it's not a huge lift. It's not going to take up so much real estate in the backpack, teach other people about it. Right. So if you have younger folks who may not know about periods, educate the young people in your lives, regardless if they'll ever have a period or not. And don't be shy about talking about it to break the taboos and the stigmas around menstruation or bras. You can check out our website at isupportthegirls.org and you can find us. So if you're a person on TikTok, come follow us on TikTok. If you like Snapchat, hit us up on Snap. If you're, you want our Twitter articles or our face, Facebook funnies or Instagram, let us know. And what you could do to help that doesn't really cost any money and very little time is just sharing our content or any nonprofit that you like to get behind or any organization the way you always do. But for nonprofits, it's extra valuable because you're sharing information that could light a spark for somebody else in your network that you had no idea that this was a personal matter or personal interest or teach them something. That is very powerful. And anybody then can do that. You can talk about it. You can share about it. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you for an enlightening conversation. Well, thank you so much, Naomi. I always enjoy chatting with you and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on your podcast. Thanks again, Dana. Have a great day.